What a song. Isn't that awesome? Man, that was awesome. Well, uh, welcome. It's great to have you uh, all here as we uh, start off this new series, those of you online and everybody in the room here. And of course, as uh, Andy was saying, we're going to just be looking at these uh, different qualities or aspects of Christ that uh, are really impactful. And and each week, we want to look at how they can be incorporated uh, into our lives. Like There's something there to model. There's something there uh, to grasp. And as I was uh, thinking about this week, um, it actually changed uh, the first uh, uh, quality that, uh, that I was going to uh, talk about here. And so this morning, I want to talk about Christ's faithfulness, Christ's faithfulness. And partly in due, just because of, of something I've been experiencing lately, um, you know, in many ways, a lot of the COVID cases have been going down, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, but for whatever reason, I have uh, just, because a pastor had been running into more people struggling directly uh, with COVID here in the last few weeks and months um, than, than maybe through this whole thing and just talking with some uh, folks, even talking with a man after the uh, last service, he came up and just shared a little bit of his experience that he was at a point where he just said, I was just ready to give up. It was it, like he just reached this point that was so bad and just felt like, I just didn't even feel like God was with me. I just like, it just drained him of all hope. And I think in particular of uh, one woman I was talking with this past week who has had several family members and a close friend that have gotten very sick and just has been through it going on for months now. And what she shared with me was just uh, this kind of loss of like, I don't know what's going on anymore. Like it, it, just, it got hard and as it has drug on the feelings of being overwhelmed and exhausted have just left me at this place of just like, has God given up on me for some reason? And that was, and like, that was the question she asked me about. Like, like, like I'm struggling. Like, is there something going on where God has, like, is God giving up on me for some reason? Is there something I should have been doing that I wasn't doing in all of this? And, and I think there's a part of that that we can all experience and understand. And, and maybe for you, the situation is different, but the question isn't. That you've hit a point in life, something hard, difficult, loss or struggle. And, and it can be this thing where like, in some way, is, is God giving up on me? Maybe, maybe for you, it was a struggle over uh, like something you regretted. Maybe it was a sin. Maybe it was something that you did. Maybe it's something you continue to struggle with. And there's this nagging worry, this fear, like, 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 can I go too far with this? Like, if I don't get this under control, if I, and, and there's that worry about this, will God give up on me? Or um, maybe it's a worry like that woman who was talking with me that like, maybe there's something more that I need to do. Or maybe it's for someone that you love or care about and you're just watching what's happening in their life and you're watching them um, either uh, walk further and further away from ever coming to faith or maybe they're a follower of Christ and you're watching something going on in their life and they matter to you and you just, you feel this worry. Like, what if God gives up on them, right? And, and I think there's this struggle that we have. But what I want us to look at this morning is this quality of Christ's faithfulness that I think becomes really important as we think about uh, 
things like this, as we process, as we work through this, understanding Christ's faithfulness becomes really important. And um, what I want to do this morning is, and, and I'm going to kind of take the long way through this, but there's a, but there's a reason for that, for where I want to land on this, is I want to look at just like, what is faithfulness a little bit? And then I want to swing back around and look at a particular passage found in uh, Second Timothy that speaks of Christ's faithfulness and use that to glean some things and then end on how we can actually incorporate a kind of faithfulness uh, into our lives. So that's, that's what I want to do this morning because I think going through all of that brings us to a place where, uh, where you, will, you will know how to navigate those moments where you're wondering, where you're doubting, Will God give up on me on this? So let's uh, walk through that and uh, start by just talking about what is faithfulness because, you know, a lot of times when we think about faithfulness, especially with a Western mindset, I think we, we think about faithfulness as it, it, like loyalty and loyalty is a wonderful quality, but I think there's something more to faithfulness as we see it in Christ and in the Bible than just maybe our notion of like loyalty uh, here. It's interesting that uh, the word, uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, for faithfulness is the exact same word for faith. In the Old Testament, it's aman, and in the Greek, it's the word pistis. Um, and uh, by the way, just a quick note, uh, you know, sometimes uh, parents, when they go to name their kids, they, they try and find like a biblical word that they could use. Don't even go there. Just don't use... Uh, Pistis is a, is, is a name, right? Um, if you've got a girl, name her Sophia. That means wisdom in Greek. And if you want to name her Faith, just name her Faith. Just don't go with the Greek, okay? That's, that's my recommendation on it. But um, it's interesting that in both Hebrew and Greek, any place in your Bible where you see the word faithfulness, uh, in the original language, it is the exact same word for faith. And the only way scholars or translators uh, can distinguish between the two is by context. And the reason for this is because for ancient writers, uh, the idea of faith and faithfulness are far more related. Uh, they actually contain one another in a way that maybe we don't often think of in a Western uh, mindset. We tend to think of faith as knowing something even without evidence or something like this. And faithfulness is kind of this loyalty thing. But I want, us to, I want us to get back at this and understand there's a relationship between these two that is really important. And I want to start by just talking a little bit about what faith is. Let me define uh, faith and then also faithfulness. And part of the mix-up comes when we think about like, okay, what is faith? What does the Bible say faith is? And there's a really famous passage it's in the uh, book of Hebrews. And we oftentimes use this verse alone where it talks about the, the hope or the assurance of our faith. Um, and, and we take this to mean that this idea that faith is knowing, absolute. It, it is having certainty about something that we can't necessarily see. But that misses it. it, it Hebrews is, is trying to get at this idea about assurance that we can have with our hope right? Not about having 100% certainty about something. And here's why that's important. Because when we think about faith is, I have 100% certainty. I know, I know, I know, is that it can often lead us in moments where as every human, every follower of Christ will have, 
are moments of doubt or worry. And you see this in the disciples. You even see it with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Faith, from a biblical standpoint, is this beautiful combination of having just enough belief with just enough trust to take a step, to act. Faith is an acting kind of thing. You take a step of action that is based on, I've got just enough belief about something and I'm going to choose to trust it to take a step. And you look at the disciples, you know, there were moments when the disciples, like they had a lot of doubt and what they believed in oftentimes wasn't correct, right? Like it was all messed up, but they had enough belief and they trusted Christ enough and they took a step of faith. They trusted him. Faith is this simple step that you take in this. You may not have 100% certainty, but you got some and you just, you take that step. And it's this beautiful thing because it, it's trusting God to just, take that next step. So now when you think about that, um, I want you to think about faithfulness as being profoundly related to the idea of faith. And so when you think about faithfulness, think about faithfulness in this way. Faithfulness is just continuing in that same trust. It's continuing to journey in that faith step that you took. Faithfulness is just like step two, step three. Step four, faithfulness is to say, okay, I had a little bit of belief and a little bit of trust and I trusted God with some part of my life. I trusted him in some way and I took that step. Okay, what happened? What, how did you grow? How did you learn? Take another step and then take another step. Faithfulness is, is like, it's a way of incorporating faith into like the journey of our lives. Faithfulness is just living out faith day after day. It's waking up every morning and taking that next step of faith uh, wherever you might be. And again, you see this in the disciples, like there's so much they didn't understand, so much they got wrong, but you know what? They kept taking those steps. They kept taking those steps. And the beauty is we can see even over the course of the New Testament, how they grew because they stayed in this kind of faithfulness with God. And as they kept trusting, they kept growing and kept growing. And, like, and, and that's the beauty of faithfulness in all of this. And so when you think about faith and faithfulness, think of them in that way. And that becomes important here because there's this part of Christ that we're going to see that in his faithfulness, in his calling and what he was, it's not like there was just a moment we, we see in the Gospels how Christ lived th that faithfulness out to God's calling on his life throughout, like his earthly ministry, how he lives that out. Now, um, I want us to go to this passage. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And let me say this before we read this passage. Um, and I'm thrilled to talk about this passage. I've thought about this in the past many times, never been an opportunity, but... Um, one of the reasons I'm thrilled to go to this passage is because it becomes an often misunderstood passage that in the misunderstanding of it actually works against the very thing that we need when it comes to understanding God's faithfulness. It, it becomes a thing that actually creates more fear and not a, a greater sense of trust 
uh, with God. And so I'm kind of excited to go through this, but let me say this as I read this passage. Um, when we read this passage or you try to interpret this passage without centering it in an understanding of the faithfulness of Christ, that, that's when it gets weird. So we'll, we'll work through this passage, but let me read this passage to you. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. Here's what it says. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him and and the him is Christ. So this, this whole thing is about Christ. We're gonna see his faithfulness uh, in this. If we died with him, being Christ, we will also live with him. Again, talking about Christ, verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And that's the part that, that sets people like, don't know what to do with that, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a little while. Uh, verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself, okay? So I wanna take a moment here, and as we walk through this passage, just look at, there's uh, three different things that I wanna look at uh, here. And, and the first two just really center in on this thing about Christ. And then the third one is how we can applicate this. So the first one is this, look at, and, and I'm gonna go through this uh, passage in reverse, because where I want to land on the application is actually at the beginning uh, of it is the, the reason I'm going to go through this in reverse. But the very, look at the very end of verse 13, right? There where it says, for he cannot disown himself, all right? First point, um, faithfulness is just a part of Jesus's nature, right? He, like, he, can't, he can't not be faithful because like, it would be disowning himself. It, faithfulness, right? Walking out this faith, this, this journey, that's just who he is in everything that he does. And of course, right, that's what this series is about. We want to look at these aspects of Christ and understand them and then see how we can actually adopt them, incorporate them in our lives where, where we can kind of grow in our Christ-likeness in understanding this. And so this first thing is there's this thing about Christ that it is a part of his nature. Now, um, as we read this, it's also important to understand that when Paul writes this, he's writing this letter to Timothy. <clears throat> when he writes this letter to Timothy, he doesn't just say, um, you know, and he just can't because it's his nature and just trust me on that, right? He's actually hearkening back to something that Timothy would have already understood because this idea of God's faithfulness is actually built out in the very fiber of scripture over this long history of scripture, um, uh, the centuries and centuries and centuries over which scripture uh, was written. And it comes in this pattern here. There's this pattern throughout scripture where God makes a promise and then he fulfills it. Or God uh, makes a prophecy and then it comes about. And you see this pattern and it goes uh, on and on and on. And the idea here through this pattern is as we see God promise something and then fulfill it, it builds like trust. You're like, wow, he did what he said he was going to do. He said it and then he did it. It's kind of like, you know, um, we've probably all had this experience. Ever go to a mechanic and whatever they said is not what they did. And you're just like, but then you've also had this experience, right? Went to a mechanic and they said something and then they did it. And you're like, whoa, like you fixed my brakes. And you said you were like, you just for like, wow. And you know what you want to do? 
go back to that mechanic, don't you? Yeah. The other mechanic, you're like, no, man, my windshield wipers go when I dim the lights and the, it's like, what's going on? I like this. And it costs all, like, it's just right. It's, there's something trustworthy that happens um, that you see throughout scripture when God promises something and then fulfills it. He says, I'm going to do this. And then he does it. And you see this pattern uh, with God throughout this, uh, th- throughout scripture. And, and it's like, Paul is hearkening back to this. And he's saying like, this is just the nature of God. And you know this, right? You know this, Timothy, this, this is how God works. He's just faithful. Let me give you one example of this, right? And, and, and I could go through dozens and dozens of examples of this. Let me, let me give you one example of this from the Old Testament that actually plays into the New Testament directly to Christ. So uh, there was a time in Israel's history uh, where uh, Israel was like absolutely falling apart. And there's a prophet by the name of Jeremiah who is heartbroken over this. It just like he's beside himself because the people, the people have been fighting and struggling to follow God, to follow all of the rules that he laid out. And they were under this covenant, which is uh, a covenant is just like a, it's a theological term for describing the nature and the parameters of a, of a relationship that the people have with God. And they had this covenant known as the Mosaic covenant, right? And it was based on rules. It was based on this law, this Old Testament law that you've probably heard us refer to. And the people, they're just, it's failing as the law always does. And Israel's coming unhinged. It is not working. And Jeremiah sees this and he's beside himself. But then there's this beautiful moment where God comes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, I I see what's happening. And it's happening for a reason, right? Because God's trying to show us that the law, that legalism, it doesn't work. But he makes this promise to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, I promise you this. I am going to make a new covenant. And this new covenant is going, it, people will not have, righteousness will not be based on a code or a law or a set of rules, right? People will find, right? They will find forgiveness, not because of how well they do or don't follow the rules. I like, I'm going to offer them forgiveness that so wipes away their sins, their sins will be forgotten, unheard of. In Jeremiah's day, that had to be like, I don't even know how that would work. I don't even know what that would be, right? So now fast forward several centuries, okay? And we see Christ at almost the very end of his ministry. He knows in the hours to come, he is going to be arrested and crucified and die for our sins, right? And he is in an upper room with his disciples, having what is known as the Last Supper or communion. And by the way, I want you to think about this for Good Friday. And Good Friday, we're gonna, we're gonna have communion. And I want you to think about what Christ did at that very first Lord's Supper, right? There's this moment where Jesus takes the cup and in the cup is the wine. And of course, this represents his blood, which is going to be shed on the cross in just hours afterward. And that that shed blood is going to be the forgiveness of sins. That is going to be the atonement, not the law. And you remember, and if you don't, that's fine. But if you remember what Christ says to his followers in that moment, 
a new covenant I give you. Promise fulfilled. Do you see? The world's coming apart. The law doesn't work. And God says, it's okay. I'm gonna take care of it. Because you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do what you can't. I promise you, I will create a new kind of covenant that will take care of what this covenant cannot. Jeremiah didn't know how it was gonna work out. He didn't know what it was gonna look. He had no idea. But we look back and we see it happen. And when we see God promise it, and then we see it fulfilled. On Good Friday, when you take that cup, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember the trustworthiness of Christ. He saw the world. He saw the need we had. And he made a promise. And he took care of it. That is the trustworthiness of Christ. See, that is the pattern in all of uh, this. That is what's going on in this. Um, there is a kind of faithfulness that is in the very nature of God. So as you struggle in these moments where you're just like, man, like, would God give up on me? Here's what I want you to come back to is say, no, God, God could not give up on that any more than he could give up on his own nature. He, like he's not going to do it because it's not who he is, right? Which leads us to this next moment, right? So if you have your Bibles, uh, look back at the verse that occurs uh, right before this in verse uh, uh, 13. It says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself, right? So even in the face of us being faithless with him, he remains faithful, right? And here's the point. Here's the takeaway on this that just kind of builds on the last one. Jesus remains faithful. Therefore, you can trust him. Right? And everything works on, on the undergirding of this, that, like his faithfulness in this. So in those moments where it feels hopeless, right? God is faithful. Even in the moments where you're just like, I'm the one that blew it. I'm like, I, like, I just, I don't know why God would stick with me. doesn't matter why you know, right? You may only believe it this much, but that's okay because you know what? God's still faithful to you no matter what. Just take a step in that. Take a step. What would it look like for you to just take a step in that moment? Just trust that what, maybe it's a sin that you're struggling with, that God can get you through that, that you can actually find something good and beautiful on the other side of it. And you're like, but I don't know. And I've, that's, that's okay. Just take the next step because you can trust the faithfulness of God. Because for centuries, there is a pattern that we can see of God promising and God fulfilling it. And you know what else? I bet you don't even have to look to scripture to see that pattern. If you have been a follower of Christ for any length of time, I bet you have experienced the same pattern in your life. He's trustworthy. Now, I also understand that many of you right now are going, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's that little verse right before this one. And that's the one that's got me all nervous, right? The second half of that verse before it. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Because here's the verse, right? Because you're saying, wait, you skipped that one. You're going backwards. Like, you know, I, I, I hear you, right? Here's what it is, second half of verse 12. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And I get, I get why you could read that verse and be filled with fear on it. But can I tell you, I love this verse. 
like, because I think to understand it rightly, it, it is saying something about the faithfulness of God that we need, that we long for in this, okay? Now, to, to really understand it correctly, so just three things, like in three things that need to be considered like in interpreting this passage here. I'm gonna just run through these. And normally I don't give this stuff, right? Like we sit in an office somewhere and we're like, and then we come and preach it or whatever. But I think it would be worthwhile walking through a couple of these things that, that we would look at on an ongoing basis anytime we're working uh, with scripture in this. First thing is this, this verse in its context is not talking about salvation at all. That, that is not the topic of what's going on here. So if you're sitting here and your worry is, oh my gosh, like, do, like would God say, oh, you went too far in that sin. Mm-mm. You don't get to go to heaven now. Like that's not the subject. That, is, that may be a fear or question you have, but don't superimpose your question and try and draw an answer from this on this when this is not even the point of what this passage is trying to explain. That becomes really important when we're interpreting the Bible is that we don't superimpose questions that the Bible isn't trying to address or work on in those moments, right? In fact, second thing with all of this that, you, that is really important to remember here is that this particular letter begins as a correspondence between just two people, right? God is gracious enough to let all history and humanity peek in on this. But we need to understand this is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. This is a letter written by a mentor seeking to encourage and strengthen a young pastor that, that he's responsible for helping to cultivate and grow up, um, not just in his faith, but how he's leading uh, in his pastorate in this thing. Timothy is not struggling with disowning God, right? This is not a moment where God is somehow saying, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting a little pouty with Timothy because, you know, he, I think he's gonna disown me and I'm just, in, well, you do that and I'm gonna disown you. Like, that's not what's going on here. This is not about salvation, right? This is, this is not about this massive overarching thing here. There's something that Paul is seeking to do with Timothy here. And you know, we know exactly what it is because Timothy, or excuse me, Paul spells it out. This whole chapter, chapter two, is Paul trying to strengthen the power of grace in Timothy. He says that. He is trying to strengthen Timothy in grace, right? And to do that, he wants him to understand the depth of God's faithfulness in this. A third thing in understanding this is uh, verse 12 starts off, and, and there are two words that key us in a real important understanding of how to understand what God's saying here. And it's these two words, um, our reign, right? So what Paul says is, if you endure, if you stand in this with, with Christ, our reign with Christ, and the word reign there, that's a power word. That is an authority word. That's, that's a word reserved for kings. And what Paul is doing is he is hearkening back to Genesis chapter one. And he is hearkening back to something that was created in your nature and my nature, right? He's going to relate this to the nature of Christ, right? And we saw that. 
but he starts with an understanding of our nature. Because when you understand Genesis chapter one in a foundational way, right? There is something that God created into every single human being. It talks about um, he made us in his image and part of having the, reflecting the image of God is to have dominion dominion in this and free will. In other words, what he's talking about here is it is, it is in our nature to have freedom over our heart and soul. Friends, uh, one of the deepest, most precious gifts God has created in you is the freedom of your heart and your mind. You alone, you alone have authority over your own soul. That is a foundational thing that was a a part of creation in Genesis 1 before there was ever sin even introduced into the world, right? And so when you understand that, when you understand that like, he has now just brought this idea of, of the free will, the dominion that God has given us, all of a sudden, verse 12 makes perfect sense in light of verse 13 in this. If you disown God, and catch, when he says disown, what he's not saying in that moment is if, he's not saying if you stumble, if you sin, if you stray, if you become unfaithful, that's not what he's describing here. If you disown, this is, it is the idea that if you decide I don't want to have life and relationship with God. If you say, God, I don't like you anymore. God, I, I, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to love you. I don't want to trust you. I don't want to follow you. For whatever reason, if you say, I don't want relationship with you, the thing that God will not do, friends, the thing, right, he will disown you. This is not him being petty or reacting back. This is God saying, I will honor. I will honor how I created you to be. This is this, is this truth that God will not smash down the door of your heart and override your free will to make you follow, to make you trust, or to make you love him. You get to love God and you get to take little tiny steps of trust because you choose it. He made you that way. And that is beautiful because if God ever violated that, if God ever said, you want to leave me? No way. I'm going to, I, right? Because God has the power to do that. If God wanted to slip his hand deep into your soul and make you a robot to slip in and force you to love him, he could do it. But what kind of relationship would that be? And for him to do that would be for him to be unfaithful to how he created you and me. He, he, will, he cannot be faithful to how he created us and not let us walk away if we so choose. See, this is a God with a kind of love and faithfulness that even in a moment that it breaks his heart, will remain faithful. He's describing a kind of beautiful faithfulness here. I have a friend who I've known for decades and decades, and more than a friend. He was a mentor of mine. I've just, I mean, he was a, um, a mentor in a mentoring relationship for uh, beyond a decade. 
both as a pastor and in my own spiritual life. Marvelous guy. And I remember there was a time where one of his sons, uh, who had been in an ongoing, long struggle with addiction, and it just broke his heart. And he, you know, his son had tried at times, and he had tried, and it just was continuing to be this struggle. And there came this moment where his son, now a young adult, had just gotten furious with his parents over this. He wanted to go a particular way and, and just like it just, he reached that point where he was so fed up and so angry with his parents on this that he said, I like, basically, I like, I'm walking away from you. I don't even want you as my parents anymore. Like he, he wanted in some form to just disown his parents. What he didn't think through in that moment, what he forgot about as he was making his statements and stepping out of that was, um, he was still deeply tied to his parents uh, financially in ways that he hadn't thought about. Like his parents still had uh, uh, access to bank accounts and they held, you know, the title to his vehicle. And like, they're just they're all, on and on all these things that as a young adult, he just never thought about that if I just walk off, it's just like mom and dad. It's just like, and my friend had had uh, other friends and colleagues that were just like, break him. He needs to be, but what he's doing is stupid and it's destructive and it's like, and they were right, yeah? And they were just like, use that, like break him. And I remember having lunch with my friend at this moment, just heartbroken over this. And I don't remember the exact words of what he said, but it was something along these lines. He said, I love him enough to let him go. And I do remember this part. He said, I will not be the one to bring him to his knees. I, will, I won't, I've, I could do it right now. I could, I could bring him to his knees financially with like, I just, they, and there were so many other avenues even beyond that with his son's career and his other. And he's just like, I won't do that. I won't make him acquiesce to what I am asking because I force him against his will where he must. I love him too much to do that. And what I love about the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of Jesus, is he loves you and he loves me too much to just break us or to bring us to our knees where we must follow him or must obey him, or must love him. Friends, God loves you so much, he'll let you walk away. He will. But that doesn't change that no matter how far you walk away, that he doesn't still remain faithful to you, doesn't still love you in this, right? There's like, that's the beauty of this, that he, that Paul is saying to Timothy, he's, he's, he's getting to this thing that like God will not violate your free will or anyone's free will. He's encouraging this young pastor, don't be the kind of pastor that's gonna go out there and try and break people's free will to get them to obey God. Like you, like, you gotta let them walk away. But know this, even when we're unfaithful, God is forever faithful because that is his nature. Isn't that beautiful? See, all of a sudden, a passage that sometimes makes us a little fearful to understand it rightly, it just makes you want to trust him all the more. And my friend, he got his son back. It took a few years, but he got his son back, right? And not that that happens every single time, 
But I wonder if he would have brought him to his knees, if he would have never gotten him back. See, like that's the beauty of this, a God who loves you in this way. And you can just see Paul trying to help Timothy shape and fashion a kind of church that would reflect the very heart of God, this ongoing faith that Jesus was always faithful to what God put before him, always faithful in moments where it was hard, moments where it was painful, but always trusting that God's got this, God's got this, God's got this, right? Which leads to this next thing. And this is, I just, I want to close out uh, with this uh, just a simple application. I just looked at the clock and just realized I'm passionate and I stopped looking at the clock and I need to look at the clock and get back and wrap this up. Okay, uh, last thing, last thing. Here, here's where the application is. It's simply this. Make the faithfulness of Christ your faithfulness. There's a faithfulness of Christ that it can be in you, that you can give away. Um, and I, I won't read it here, but right, this passage begins with this idea of standing in this. And like, sometimes it gets in, uh, translated endure, stand, remain in this, and you will reign, you will exercise your dominion and your free will with God, in unison with, guided by, with him in this, that you might be like him, that what he would want to give away, you get to give away in all of this. And real quickly here, two ways, two ways that we can give this away. The first one is this, learn to let go with love, right? Um, just like what my friend did. Like we have those moments. There's a moment where you see someone and you're just like, man, they're making mistakes and I know that that's sin and that's wrong, right? And you can get in there and like, right? And, and I'm not saying withhold and never talk about that. But if, if you go in and you're just like, like I'm gonna break them on this thing, uh, friends, that probably won't work. That probably won't work, right? You're gonna create more resentment than anything else. And what if you're wrong about it, right? Like, like there are moments where you can speak with love, but in that moment, if that person says, no, I'm gonna go this way. Nope, I believe differently than you. Learn to love, but let go of that. You don't have to let go and let go of love. You can let go and remain faithful. Trusting God in loving that person one step at a time. You can do that with your own life, right? You can, uh, uh, you can and, and if you're worried about this, because maybe, maybe you're like, okay, Glenn, I heard you describe that passage, but I'm kind of worried. Maybe I did disown God in this, right? Well, first thing here, if you're worried that you disowned God, then you haven't. That's the evidence right there. If you're worried about it, that, just, that right there tells me you didn't. And if you did, and again, this passage is not about salvation. If you did, okay, turn around and take one step of faith toward God because God's faithful. He's waiting. He is forever waiting. You, you haven't done something so far that it's unforgivable. You haven't done something so far, done something so stupid that God's like, okay, I reached the end of my faithfulness with you. No, no. Take one step. And you know what you do tomorrow morning? Take another one. And now you've gone from faith to faithfulness. And the day after that, take another step. Just keep taking those steps in there. Second thing, real quickly here. Um, learn to just take the next step this week, right? In whatever it is, learn to just take the next step with whatever that faithfulness is. Maybe it's a faithfulness and you realize, you know, God's asking me 
to be a source of comfort or encouragement or giving in some way around me. Okay, take that step. What does that simple step take, right? Or maybe you're in that place where you just feel overwhelmed. Man, I'm in this, I'm trying to live for God and I'm in this whole thing and I just feel overwhelmed. There's all of these problems and all this thing. And I just, I don't know what it looks like. You know what? You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to figure out how you're gonna become a spiritual giant someday. You don't have to figure out how you're gonna navigate whatever this massive problem is in front of you. Just figure out how to walk in faith this week. Just figure that out. And maybe you're sitting here going, that's overwhelming. That's like seven days. I figure I can't do that. Okay, figure out how to take the next step tomorrow. Just one day. And if you're sitting here and going, Glenn, if you saw how overwhelming, crazy, I can't even figure out a whole day. Okay, just figure out the next hour. You just figure out whatever the next thing is in front of you. And you just take whatever little, little bit of belief you have in God and you trust that because that little step is all you need right now. And when you finish that step, just take the next one. And I promise you, you will take step after step after step. And before you know it, you will see the growth and you will see the maturity and you will see the beauty of Christ being formed in you. But friends, it doesn't happen because we bite off the whole thing all at once. Faith is faithfulness, just one little step at a time. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna close this out here. Let me, let me pray for all of us here and those online. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for this time and we're just so grateful for your faithfulness and the beauty of what your son Jesus Christ modeled and how it models your heart. And may we trust with whatever belief, whatever trust we have, would you encourage that in our hearts and give us vision to take that next step that we might live in your faithfulness. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great morning. See you next week.